0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Markers on the Map. Each week it's games, news, and more from the classics to the current gen as we explore gaming's infinite, ever-changing landscape. Check out the gaming adventure on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. Now, before I say this, I got to just put it out there that I had this up on the topic list before we had seen Creed 3 this past weekend, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) how could I have missed the fact that a brand new installment of the fitness boxing saga has recently been released for the Nintendo Switch in fitness boxing, uh, fist of the North star. Oh man. I
1: actually did see that uh at first i thought it was for something else and then i realized it was for fitness boxing i was like ain't no way because what what i know i know they had something else that was a crazy
0: collab not that long ago what what was it i'm sure it'll come to us because i like this stuff happens like frequently like that but um just just for the sake of this one we've talked about this on the podcast before it, it was in a direct or like two directs ago or something like that uh-huh. um i think the reason that it like completely passed me by was that i looked everywhere and it doesn't seem like the u.s is getting a physical release of this game which is kind of upsetting because i have the first two fitness boxings physical um fitness boxing and fitness boxing 2 rhythm and exercise which i feel like i willed into existence uh, a couple years back on this very podcast (laughs) oh man i
1: swear we we always talked about fitness boxing and how like oh come on now fitness boxing 2 am i right and it was just a kind of a bit the idea that like oh they'll never make a second one and then they actually did make a second one
0: yeah and the second one i would say is is a lot better however i've only put like five hours total it like for all the hype and excitement i only ever put like five hours into it compared to like the 50 plus hours i put into the first one so now i'm kind of sad now i'm kind of like man i should get back into fitness boxing too but now they got this fist of the north star one with like it it seems like it's more like a like a game versus just you getting on and doing like punching Mm -hmm. exercises or, or, or or like routines like that but i don't know something about this one it's like they've got dub voices for all the fist of the north star characters and you can still do like character customization i'm like man but no physical robbery <laughs> oh man. seriously the the cover art is so cool like the the there's a physical version in japan and the cover art is so cool i'm like why can't we have these nice things here it, it's. Uh, I, hate, I hate when other places get a physical and we don't. There was another like. Here, it's an episode where I'm gonna keep forgetting things that like we talked about long ago. But there are there's a few games that like have physicals in, in other countries Fight that Crab. just get a digital release in America. Fight Crab. No, Fight Crab's coming out with a physical release oh, this fin- year. I know finally, this because. Okay. <laughs> I mean. I know this because I recently got a thing from Amazon saying we still don't have an, uh, an estimated date for this product. Do you still want it? Fight Crab physical edition for Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, when did I order this? I also am still on
1: that whole like tangent of just like why do they make physical versions of things that aren't physical? It's all digital. Yeah, I'm still on that. Like I don't know why they still do. Like they still do that.
0: Oh. One just popped into my mind. Um, you know this one. Phoenix Wright Trilogy. Mm-hmm. They had a Japanese physical edition that I actually picked up at Anime Expo back in 2019. I remember um, that. Another one I can think of is um, Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 got like uh, re-releases on the Switch, and Japan had a physical edition, but in the U.S. they were just the digital downloads. So it's like, uh-huh. come on. <laughs> Bring fitness boxing fist of North Star physical to Nintendo, <laughs> uh, to America, Nintendo. <laughs> Aside from that, I do want to play it, but I'm just playing so much right now that I have not been able to kind of like focus on, you know, pretty much anything because I was telling you, theater rhythm has completely consumed my gaming free time Mm. to where like everything else is just getting played for like 30 minutes to an hour every now and then whereas i'm just like completely addicted and hooked on theater rhythm playing songs on ultimate which a few weeks ago i said was a ridiculous jump in difficulty and i stand by that but i'm actually pulling it off i've even beaten a song on supreme just one because most of those supreme uh ch- uh charts are not made for mortal hands or minds um but like i'm finding it easier to do ultimate now i feel like there's only a few songs that i think are just like so ridiculous on ultimate that it's like why even bother um, which is a shame because man with the machine gun on ultimate is like impossible for me But there is a song from the Chocobo Mystery Dungeon game that is basically Man with the Machine Gun that is pretty easy on Ultimate. So at least I can have that like vibe of that song going with that. But that's just, you know, that's neither here nor now because we got a few other things we're going to be talking about today on Markers on the Map, the weekly podcast gaming adventure (laughs) where uh, Destiny is on the menu for today. But before we get started, my name is Daniel and I'm here with my good friend and co-host Robert. And I'm going to say to Robert, how you doing, friend?
1: Man, I'm just so tired and beat up. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I'm just, like, just tired recently. I'm just like, I don't know what it is. But other than that... No, I feel you completely. (laughs) And then us watching Creed yesterday. uh, It's been all right. But Creed was really good. So I would say The weekend is is pretty great.
0: Yeah, Creed 3 was really awesome. Uh, Super enjoyable movie. Definitely recommend it Um, if you... And, and, like, honestly, if you haven't seen the first two, it's fine, because I hadn't seen the first yeah, two, and I like really it. was riveted by this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel, you know, I'm being tired, though. It's been, like, the weather's been super windy and cold. I've been so busy. I have just haven't had time to catch up on things like podcasts, TV shows, books, even games. Like, I have a couple... I've, I've been having, like, a couple of hours a day, and I've just been so tired. I'm like, let me unwind with some theater them. It's like a... I haven't been able
1: to play anything, honestly, either. I I would say, I guess, first thing I would say is, the only thing I've been playing recently is Dead by Daylight. I might do an episode later. It just depends. It's nothing crazy. I'll probably do something quick, but not for today. We already have other things planned for today.
0: Just a little asterisk on the the things we will be discussing this episode. We will be discussing Destiny 2's Lightfall expansion, Mm -hmm. and Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, and... When we talk about those games, it might seem like I'm being a little harsh on both of them. I'm going to just, just put it out there at the beginning. I am very much enjoying both of these things, but there are just so so glaring of issues that I have with them that like I don't want that to uh, to make it seem like I'm not enjoying both of these, mm. but I am going to be a little bit more critical of both just because of what has come before in both of these series. Um but before we g- start with um talking about those two games I thought it would be prominent to kind of point out that the a couple of days ago it was the 6th anniversary of the Nintendo Switch uh, I remember six years ago in March of 2017, like, being so excited for the Switch and, like, playing Breath of the Wild for the first time. It was like Breath of the Wild and Super Bomberman are from the first day. And then I don't think there was any other games until Mario Kart at the end of April. So it was, like, a really, really slow launch. Like, uh-huh. not quite as bad as the 3DS where I had Street Fighter 4 for, like, three months and then Dead or Alive and then it was still another two months before, like, Devil Survivor Overclocked came out, so it was, like, five months where the only thing I could play on 3DS was fighting games. Um, but the Switch has come such a long way, like, and it's been the only system that I've kind of, like, collected the first-party titles as a set for. Like, I'm missing a few here and there, um, but the Switch has been, like, it's the most comprehensive thing I think Nintendo's ever put out. It's, it's, it's got a few really glaring omissions, like, returns, but, like, it's it's the only system where you can play all four of the main major 3D Mario games. Um, Galaxy 2 is missing, obviously, oh. but um, the major and slash main ones are here. Um, it will soon be the only place where you can play all five main Metroid games. Um, we'll talk about that more in news. It's got two generations of Pokemon games, a remake, or two remakes, I would say, and some spin offs. It's just, there's so much on here, The the... The way that they've kind of rolled out the Switch Online applications has been awesome. Um, They've added Game Boy and Game Boy Advance here. Probably, you know, as the life cycle of the Switch starts to wind down. Um, A lot of Wii U gems that were overlooked because of that system kind of not being, you know, the best seller. um, Have been ported over as as well as a lot of Wii games. We've got a Mm. fantastic remaster of Metroid Prime. It's just been like mind-blowing honestly to see the turnaround from their last console um and with that being said we still only have two themes to choose from on the switch home menu a black theme and a white theme it's like where's my green where's my wallpaper? even 3ds had themes (laughs) at least at least something i think when it comes to the switch
1: is real quick it's like i think because they had a a point to prove uh, a lot of that wii u wii era especially the wii it was way too casual friendly and not in a bad way. Obviously it brings more people in. Like they more remember the Wii more fondly, but it does alienate a lot of the hardcore gamers that, you know, in that sense. And so the switch was like, all right, we're going to the ultimate console for everyone. For casuals, for, for pros, it doesn't matter. It's for everyone.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's what they set out to accomplish with the Wii U. It just didn't pan out the way because of naming conventions mm-hmm. or the idea that the the gamepad wasn't as intuitive as maybe we thought or maybe because, like, 1080p was a thing, yes, but, like, graphically it wasn't keeping up. There's a lot of things that I feel like they wanted to remedy with, like... um, th- Like, the Wii is a great system, But there was the idea of Waggle just being incorporated into just about everything, um, especially in 06 through 08. And then by the time that that was kind of like not popular anymore... Um, the Wii U comes around. They're like, yeah, we've got some like hardcore games on here. We've got like Batman: Arkham City on here and everything. And like, it just didn't really work out. And the first party output was like, oh, there was no regular Animal Crossing game. There was Amiibo Festival, which was like a little board game version that you played. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Amiibo. Usage on Wii U was weird because you'd like play Mario Party 10 and you'd have to like do the amiibo mode where you just keep tapping the amiibo on the on the on the reader for it over and over again. It's like your turn, tap the amiibo. You roll the dice, tap the amiibo. It's like just stop. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the Switch and like even the 3DS like around the time of the switch was in such a really great flow of like both new games and like Samus returns and re-releases that Nintendo kind of like really turned it around and they've been on a roll ever since then. I mean, like say what you want about uh, the Zelda games, that new one is definitely going to be like a top seller and score well and everything just like Breath of the Wild, but um yeah, just thought I would point out that uh that 6th anniversary was a thing that happened and mario kart 8 deluxe is still getting dlc (laughs) i mean why not it's the best one it is absolutely it's gonna be a shame if mario kart 9 drops and there's the like regular 32 tracks from the start it's like we are spoiled with like 90 something tracks on mario kart 8 here's here's the thing is you
1: could say the same argument with like something like gta 5 the difference is mario kart 8 is actually very fun and people want to play mario kart 8 so it's like, yeah, Mario Kart 8 has been, been around for a while, but people still play it because it's still genuinely a fun game.
0: Yeah, it's the most fun I've ever had with uh, the Mario Kart games. Um, and, like, I, I was playing the Game Boy Advance one on the Switch Online just last night, which was the first Mario Kart I ever played, uh, Super Circuit. Uh-huh. It um, doesn't necessarily hold up well, but it does have this, like, it is pretty good i I mean it's not like revolutionary or anything but like playing it on the big screen like highlights its strengths and weaknesses and that's something we could probably get to in the future we we Um, went in a whole you know a look at a look at the series (laughs) man
1: i don't even know the switch was on our list we went on a whole switch tangent i don't think that was even on the list no i had it on the list i I was part of
0: the intro originally (laughs) but now
1: it's a whole segment it was meant to be an intro now it's a whole
0: segment yeah i meant for it to be a segment (laughs) You know, a little bit of positivity before I kind of, like, rip might yeah. fall yeah, apart. Yeah, <laughs> I guess.
1: But I guess, so far, your favorite Switch feature and, I guess, favorite Switch memory or game with it, I would say definitely, for me, I'll just make it quick. I really do like the gimmick of the whole, like, different Joy-Con things. I, like, I know people probably thought that was really weird at first, but it worked out super well. And it, obviously, it makes it great that it's two controllers in one.
0: And it really felt like what the Wii U was, like, supposed to be or should have been. Yeah, like, playable on the go,
1: or so on the TV. That's what it was. It's like, it wasn't tied to a, a stationary console. You could take it anywhere. Yeah. And then, I guess, favorite for me, game slash memory. It's not my favorite game, but I do really have fond memories. You know, maybe some... Outspurts of anger but cuphead and beating it on the switch was, was a really good time for me
0: that's something i've i've yet to do <laughs> just beat cuphead on anything I and i have it for apple and i have it for switch two two copies on the switch actually because i have the physical um yeah you know my favorite game for the the switch metroid dread absolute classic instant masterpiece and so it's it's really exciting that fusion is coming to um the uh, game, game Boy, Boy Advance yeah. Switch Online thing the day after this episode comes up. If you have that expansion pack, I urge you to play Metroid Fusion. It's in, in its entirety, it is one of the... Ge- I think in terms of how many times I've played any number of games, like I think I've played Metroid Fusion more times through than any other game mm-hmm. I've ever played. Um, so, yeah. More about that in news. Now, switching gears here... Um, destiny 2 lightfall came out Mm -hmm. as you know i have been waiting for this for a long time i cannot remember when the first trailer was i think it might have been at a state of play Mm -hmm. like maybe last august or something something like that it's always something like that yeah so after witch queen it's like the plot will go somewhere in destiny but where do we go on making the campaign memorable and enjoyable and because Witch Queen, which I never really delved into much detail here, mm-hmm. because I was like I I talked more about Destiny when when Season of the Haunted. Um, was a thing, and mm-hmm. I was going through Leviathan doing this kind of, like, callous themed season because callous is my favorite of the Destiny villains. Um, but Witch Queen, as a, as a campaign, was, was very well crafted. It had light raid mechanics in some of the levels, but it was never too much for a solo player. Now, there were a few encounters that I felt were a little poorly balanced for a solo player in Witch Queen, mm-hmm. but I never felt like I was hitting my head against a wall or having to, like back out of a level return to orbit just because I was so frustrated at something. Mm-hmm. So, Lightfall comes around. It just dropped at uh, the end of February um and let's get let's get the good out there <laughs> first. Um the <laughs> the new location is on Neptune. Yeah. And it's ne- it's called Neomuna. It is a neon like synth wave city almost, but the citizens kind of from what i gather the citizens live kind of online uh-huh. so there's like net versions of them outside it's like staticky versions of them because their consciousness is all on this this net um there are some people that are outside protecting neomuna and they are called cloud striders and the ones that your character interacts with are rohan and nimbus they are pretty cool characters. Basically, a Cloud Strider is someone who's protecting Neomuna from the bad guys, and they've got 10 years to live because their bodies have so many like mods and augmentations to them to where it's just 10 years is the most that that, mm-hmm. that physical form can handle. Um, you are also teaming up with Osiris, who is a Guardian who's pretty much lost his ghost at this point in the Destiny timeline. Um, he's a warlock. Um, I think he's a warlock. Um, and he was, like, pretty key in the, like, Curse of Osiris, which was the first expansion for Destiny 2, where you go to Mars and everything. Mm -hmm. And you are working with Empress Keitel, who is Emperor Kallus' daughter, um, who just hates her father. (laughs) Um, she's been kind of, she's been kind of, like, pivotal in the story for a couple of seasons now. Now, I don't claim to know everything about the lore of Destiny because I do skip seasons. Um, I play for expansions and I play like maybe one or two seasonal stories per year, so I am. It's very disjointed for me. Yeah, yeah. But a campaign is a good way to get like a concentrated story. Mm-hmm. This particular campaign begins with a cutscene where the witness, who's the major bad guy, arrives. Um, he's got his fleet of pyramids, which are like the the darkness's ships, and then the traveler finally does something by shooting a giant. At him, um, but it's really Lightfall is really about you going up against Emperor Callus, who is f- making like his debut versus like Leviathan Raid, where you would fight Callus and it turned out he was a robot, and then you mm-hmm. get dropped in that room with all the robots. So, this is real Callus, who is a disciple of the Witness. You start in a mission where you are on like a ship, and you're going through the ship, and then you you go through that level, and then the rest of the game pretty much takes place in those Neomuna streets in the caverns there. the The levels themselves are super engaging. Mm-hmm. Destiny's like gunplay has never been better. Um, it's one of the most tactile feeling things. It's like it's almost like having a, like adaptive triggers, even though like your adaptive triggers are off. There's so much visual and physical feedback when you're playing destiny that i've always enjoyed um the campaign however does revolve around much like beyond light revolved around you getting stasis the first darkness power this one revolves around strand which think of Mm -hmm. spider-man but it's the first strand
1: type dlc
0: yes it's the first strand type dlc where's hideo kojima when you need him (laughs) um Strand is really cool. There's, like, a grapple thing. It's like a grappling hook you can lock onto enemies or just grapple into midair or lock onto little grapple points. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a little, like, homing missile strand thing that you can use as your super. There's, like, a almost like a a web shot thing for your melee. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all very cool. And I think a lot of people's complaints about this DLC is that a lot of the campaign forces you to use this subclass But I never minded it at the start because it gives you like instant refill on your super. Kind of like in vanilla when you were learning how to use the void, the solar, and the arc powers. It would give you almost an endless supply Mm -hmm. just so you could take out waves of enemies and try the new powers out before it started like that slow regen of super. Mm -hmm. So in this, I never mind when it gives me the Strand ability. One, because it's fun. And two, because I just like how it works. It's not, like, super bad. Um, they do slow it down, and then it becomes a little more of a chore to, like, oh, I want to use the melee, but I have to wait for it to recharge now. Mm-hmm. But that's not—that's a lot of people's problems. A lot of people's other problems is the narrative feeling a little disjointed. Um, now, I wasn't a big fan of Osiris's characterization through this, I'm loving Callus and the witnesses interactions because it does seem like they're at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a, such a callous thing to do is to like be at odds with like the person in charge of you. Um, cause Callus never seemed like a, like a follower to me. So it's like, yeah, he like, he's got this like tone to him. It's almost like a comical version of Palpatine and Darth Vader okay. is what I want to compare it to. Um, but I don't have a big problem with the story. Um, like the the writing has been criticized, I'm really just I, I'm liking it. I'm liking the tone of this one a little more than, than Witch Queen, honestly. But like Witch Queen is a masterpiece of storytelling, in in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is more like a comic book movie, pretty much. Okay. That's what I could compare it to. Um, it's fine. Now, with all that being said, pretty much every level has some kind of encounter design issue that is making me not ever want to replay this now i've never replayed the witch queen campaign Mm. but i've thought about it with this i'm like do i want to replay this (laughs) campaign (laughs) like maybe with a fire team or something but it, it, it starts from the very first level of the campaign they introduce you to an enemy type called tormentor and it's such a tough section where the tormentor comes out you're like this is impossible it must just be one of those things where you're like supposed to lose like an rpg does or like a giant enemy comes out in an action game and you're like oh you're not meant to beat this right now and it turns out that that's true the tormentor does leave after you get some damage in and dodge it for a while and you're like okay that's probably like a final boss like type enemy or something Mm -hmm. You keep going through an admittedly great first campaign mission and then it shows up again and you actually have to beat it this time. And the way that tormentors work is that they are so fast that they are basically right behind you at all times. They have Mm. a huge amount of health. They can do this jumping thing that pretty much takes out half your health or, and this is the worst thing, if they get too close, they can do a grab that I have not found a way to escape from that will Mm. kill you if you're under, like... Mm-hmm. 60% health.
1: Okay. Uh, so, under 60 and it's an instant kill?
0: It that's, It's what it seems uh, like. It might be under 50, but,
1: like, it's... That's still a good it amount wouldn't
0: of health. Be a, yeah, it wouldn't be a huge problem if they weren't completely fast to where they're on your tail the whole time. Mm-hmm. You're lucky if you can turn around and get a couple of, like shots from the bow and arrow or, uh, like, a round of, like, your auto rifle in before they're pretty much on you again. Mm -hmm. And they will shoot these little beam disc things up with their staves, and they will just home right into you. And most of the time, not even standing behind something can help. So you're always put into little tiny arenas with these things too, so they are constantly on your back. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating that, like, like, Bungie chose this route of, like, this is a nonsense enemy. Here's some nonsense.
1: <laughs> uh, but um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really know how to feel about that. It's kind of like rubbing me kind of the wrong way because it's just, it's just nonsense. So why, why, why just have it?
0: Yes, that's what know. I'm saying. Because the rest of the level design and encounter design is fine, but when you start getting into these darkness zones in this. Mm-hmm it's bad and the the tormentors always come out in darkness zones that's the thing so if you lose and there's a couple hits left on that tormentor you're gonna have to start that tormentor fight again Mm. and there's always ads because of course there's ads this is destiny are you kidding me there's always ads. why not um there is a part where you're in this really cramped arena because um, you're getting ready to use Strand, um, and this is a later mission, you're getting ready to use Strand to create a thing that will prevent your super from charging. And you've got a Tormentor in there mm-hmm. with you, and the arena is so cramped, and you, you just end up running into a corner or something, and then ads are on you, and ads will pop up from the side. Um, I think maybe the hardest one was a section in either the fourth or fifth campaign mission where... Two tormentors spawn mm-hmm. on top of ads. And it's a room covered in things that you can run into uh, and have to maneuver around, or you might hit as you jump up and it would knock you back down, stuff like that. And I was so frustrated the third time going in, but I had to laugh because one of them did glitch into some geometry. <laughs> and wasn't able to chase me so i was just like i don't care if it's going to glitch it's going to glitch and I, I i so i took care of that one really quick and then i had to deal with the other one just running around while ads were spawning constantly and um th- there's another encounter where you are in a tank and you've got a boss and you have to like destroy other tanks while the boss is like while they're in their immune phase, which then there are a couple of them and you've oh, got man. to use strand to go destroy the dampeners again. It's very, it's like mechanically complex and this is not the legendary campaign. It's just classic. It's meant to be played solo if you want. And it's just been so frustrating, but I think maybe the worst offender is on the second to last campaign mission. You are forced into a room where you're having to use strand to swing around and there are probably, like, mm-hmm. 20 Vex enemies spawning in at, at, at the same time every every minute or so, along with a boss, which is a Vex Hobgoblin. Obviously, they're snipers, and they can, like, do mm-hmm. mad damage. Um, not a Hobgoblin, a Minotaur. There we go. Um, the, the big, tall ones. Um, and all the while, you're having to swing around, dodge, shoot the boss, shoot the ads. As this giant red wall comes and burns you for about 40% health every time it goes around. Mm -hmm. I had to resort to a cheese where you go up to the top and just like not get shot by anything up there, but still take the burn damage every like minute and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And it ended up taking like 10 minutes, but it's better than like going and putting myself through that again. Every time I wasn't in a darkness zone, I was having a blast. As soon as those darkness zones hit in this DLC though, it's just like, why would they why would they do that
1: (laughs) who knows man because i i call it's always that i I always said it like this it's a one step forward two steps back obviously uh yes it's a reference to it but like it's it's kind of like that like they, they go two steps forward or they go one step forward and then they take two steps back they'll do something amazing but then they'll do something like this Yes,
0: there's a lot of good changes here. They took the elements off of armor pieces. Great change. Um, Strand, great ability. Um, the the way the armor looks, the way the city looks, very cool. Um, I can complain about the city. It's a little empty. It takes a little while to get into the part of the city that has the action. And it seems like the action for the patrol zone is not balanced for anybody to come in now because the enemies are all at like 1810 power and you start out at 1600. So it's like, okay, what's going on here? That feels like something that needs to get patched. Mm-hmm. But the encounter design in the darkness zones is not good. And I will say that. It's not good. Everything else, great. Those Darkness Zones, absolute nonsense. I I have no issue saying that, like, I am very frustrated by, by the Darkness Zones to the point where it's like, I might have to cheese the final bot. I mm-hmm. might have to cheese Kallus, and unless I can, you know, raise my power level a bit higher and, like, pull it off. But I've heard that the encounter design of Callus is, like more people have lost that fight just getting knocked out of the arena and falling mm-hmm. and there's nothing more frustrating than that in destiny like losing to the enemy's attacks is one thing but getting knocked off of the map mm-hmm. is and having to restart that darkness encounter yeah i can't i can't <laughs> i don't know like i've always had destiny's always
1: been like whatever to me like so. like it has like such big glaring issues that... And, and it's like, okay, if it was, like, from the very early stages of development, like, even DLC-wise, it's like, it could be right up. But we're in, like, the very, I would say, second-chance stage of this type of DLC. We are in the ninth overall yeah, it's year of like, the Destiny franchise. Yeah, and it's like, how could they still be adding so many things that are just, like... I don't know how you could look over that. I don't know how... I, I just don't know.
0: Look, to me destiny has always been a game that tries to rush you through the campaign i remember vanilla destiny 2 wanted nothing more than for the player to be done with the campaign and get on to end game stuff yeah Lightfall feels like it's keeping you stuck in the campaign because the darkness zones are just so horrendously designed it yeah i, I could see that it's also like even witch queen i felt like wanted me to get through the campaign to start doing anything else
1: yeah yeah it, it, it Destiny doesn't have long campaigns. I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know how I feel about like Destiny at all because it's just like I don't have enough play time with it. But very yeah. casually, it is just like it wants you to get to the end game stuff very pretty quick.
0: Yeah, for me, I think the way I approach Destiny is probably. Like, it works for me because I don't really go for raids or grinding out the best gear. I I enjoy playing Destiny for what it is, which is the story content or, like, the seasonal story missions and stuff like that. But I feel like it's a little stifled with Lightfall's encounter design. I can't really reach the end of the story right now, so I'm having to take breaks and do other stuff. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, like, high-level content or anything like that. But, you know, I was reading through some forums and you know many have come to the conclusion if you play destiny to try and beat destiny you're not going to have a good time <laughs> destiny's not made to be beaten <laughs> destiny's made to be that continuing game as a service that's going to keep throwing new stuff at you every week don't don't turn it into a job when you play destiny which is why I'm not out here grinding bounties. I'm playing Theatrhythm when I need a break from the campaign. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. grinding bounties to get my uh, Neo-Muna rank up. I'm like, it'll get up eventually and I'll have my Lightfall helmet eventually. I'm not worried about getting to level 100 in the season pass. Uh, mostly because the season, uh, diff- the, the season event that they've got going on right now, the Battlegrounds, um, is really tough. And I went in with two people and we couldn't, you know, pull it off, two randoms, we couldn't pull it off um, mm-hmm. because the encounter design in that is, is not bad, it's just, like, tough. Um, but it's like, if, if I spend my, my days and my life seeking out the highest All power level, things. pinnacle gear I can in Destiny, I won't have time for any other games. And I'll just be on here complaining about Destiny, instead of a couple of times a year.
1: It's a a completionist nightmare is what I'm hearing. It's like, don't try to complete it, because you won't. No, 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 I don't think it's possible to complete. Like, it's like, there is no completing this. It's just destiny.
0: Yeah. But I will say that that encounter design in the campaign is, like, my only major gripe with the DLC. But, like, it's such a key part of it, Darkness Zones, Mm -hmm. since vanilla destiny one darkness zones that's like the major battles um i i did feel like it's necessary for me to point out my frustrations with the game right now um there's a few little changes to the menus and everything that they've done with lightfall that i'm not a big fan of but i am Mm -hmm. looking forward to finishing the campaign and kind of playing around with the strand subclass because i think it's a lot of fun um it's also the green one and therefore it is the best one Mm (laughs) Um, But overall, it's it's mixed right now. I'm not going to say it's disappointing as a as an expansion um, because it's not. But I am a little let down by the fact that I'm not eager at all to replay the campaign stages because of select parts of them that just take all the fun out of the room.
1: Other than that, what else besides Destiny besides being, being Destiny?
0: Yeah, I mean, Destiny gonna Destiny, am I right? It's always one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. I'm actually really curious about the raid. I have my um, guesses as to what it's going to be, and the raid will come out a couple of days after this episode comes up. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I have my guesses, and I'll have to see if I was right. Now, am I planning on doing the raid? I don't know. Maybe not. I've, I've not done the Witch Queen raid. I've-, I've only ever done Leviathan, and that was vanilla Destiny 2's raid. Um, mm-hmm. It's just too stressful for me. The raids are a whole different story. Um, But yeah, Destiny 2 Lightfall. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Callus is the best part, as expected. Now, the other thing that I am am currently kind of going through is Kirby's Return to Dreamland Lux. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a re-release of the Wii game, Return to Dreamland. Where to start with this one? It is a Kirby game. We all know how those work. They're very simple, easy, chill, relaxing platformers. They don't have, like, a huge amount of difficulty in the main story. The mm-hmm. The difficulty usually comes from the bonus modes that you unlock at the end, like a boss rush or something like that. Um, I'm not through the main story of this. I'm actually on World 3, and you might be wondering, why am I on World 3? The game's been out for two weeks, and this is Kirby. It can easily be beaten in, you know, a handful of hours. Well, it's... The way, the way I'm going to say it is yeah. going to sound mean, but I'm just like it's kind of flat mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not engaging enough for me to just sit there for hours at a time and play it it's fun but it is like compared to star allies even very simple and kind of just like here's something you can play for a couple of minutes and be satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. um forgotten land was like addicting it was so new feeling Things could evolve and change as you got, you know, upgrade points for your abilities and everything. And then Star Allies, of course, had the partner mechanic and that Kirby 64 thing of like, oh, I can hold up on the D pad and my uh, enemy buddy could shoot fire at my sword and then I could have a fire sword. Mm-hmm. Um, with Return to Dreamland, it's like you've got the basic powers and everything, and you go through levels as normal and they are generally just like not difficult and everything. I'm I'm only on world 3 so like it this could change. Um I guess the big gimmick is that most levels have a little thing where you go and get like a giant version of a weapon where the the level is designed like that section of the level is designed for you to use it to mm-hmm. like here's a giant sword to d- to break some giant blocks or like Here's the giant beam to like shoot a blast at something, like that's meant to be destroyed by a giant beam. And then those will open up like a portal into another dimension mm-hmm. where you have a stage where a giant wall of light is chasing after you and you've got to get through the level fast to get a boss to get some gear parts. And that's what every level so far kind of like boils down to. Um for some reason the levels in this are like 15 minutes long, and I cannot mm. like Kirby levels aren't generally short, but they are never felt this long to me. And I can't tell if it's just because there's not a lot of engagement happening, or if because like this one just has long levels. Um, I do wish I could play this in in couch co-op because you can have four characters up on the same time. I don't know if that changes enemy density or anything, but it's like very light in the enemy density mm. department. And those little challenge levels have... Like, there's a mechanic in this where you can drop your power and Kirby can do, like, the extra big inhale to inhale, like, giant blocks. Kind of like in Triple Deluxe, except I think it's implemented better in that game than in this one. Um, I know there's that Magalore mode that you get after beating the game. I'll beat the game eventually and see if that kind of, like, is a little more engaging because to me, when they showed that, it felt like the mode where you play as all of the enemies in star allies and i'm hoping it's at least a little you know more involved than that because star allies already did a thing where you play as all the enemies and bosses including magalore and you go through like an abbreviated version of the game and collect power-ups that looked exactly like that so if that's just a smaller version of like guest stars question marks Mm -hmm. from star allies it's going to be kind of a letdown um this one does have a, a focus on Like this amusement park thing where you can play mini games and collect little masks that Kirby can wear, like of the bosses or enemies, and sometimes his voice will change. But like the mini games are never my favorite part of Kirby. There is that samurai one where you have to like draw your samurai sword extremely Mm -hmm. fast, and they have a little mode where you get put up against 99 other players whose times are recorded. And in my first legit run of that, I ranked fourth. So it's like I already knocked out that oh, little man. achievement where you have to get above 20. I'm like, "Man, my reaction time on that one must have been nuts because the next one was like 60th." Oh, man. what the <laughs> Um I haven't played all the mini games yet, but I I can tell that there are going to be a nice little distraction. Um as you collect gears, you unlock things in Magalor's ship that are like little challenge levels where you have one ability and you've got to, like, collect little stars and, like, go through fast and, like, defeat all the enemies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Again, Forgotten Land had these admittedly obnoxious at times training rooms, but they all felt a little more mechanically interesting than what we're getting here. To me, this feels like the filler Kirby game. Uh-huh. Like, I get that it's a re-release of the Wii one, but it's honestly a lot slower not disappointing, but not exactly exciting. Yeah, yeah, is what I'll say about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's got your basic Kirby themes. There's the water world, the desert world. I'm on the water world. I'm sure there might be like a lava one or a space one, and then a final world. Um, but so far, the the most I can say about it is that yes, I am playing a Kirby game on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, it's fine. Compared to the other two, compared to Star Allies and Forgotten Lands, this is the, like... I don't want to say... Like, like, I could say weakest, but I want to say this is the most regular-feeling Kirby game. Okay. Like, I'm hoping the bonus modes kind of redeem it for me, but right now I'm just kind of like, I'll play a level every day or something. I won't just sit there playing this. I'll go play Theatrhythm, since that Mm. seems to be... (laughs) Anyway. Just wanted to say, I might have talked... bad about these two games but i am i am enjoying them just not on the level i wish i was now we have one final gym leader left in pokemon drip uh ruby and sapphire Mm -hmm. and that is wallace wallace was the water type gym leader and in pokemon emerald he was actually the champion now wallace has some like extravagance going on here in this omega and alpha redesign He has, like, this white pant suit thing with a white, like, feathery cape in the back and this, like, admittedly cool green and teal scarf that I dig.
1: (laughs) I'll I'll say this. I can see how this is somehow, like, high-end drip fashion, but for me, it's goofy. Like it feels very runway model yeah i can definitely see people being like oh but this is true drip this is high-end fashion i'm just like yeah uh no but for me it's it's goofy looking
0: do we but do we equate runway fashion with the drip and like how we've been looking at it because i'd say this is like high runway fashion but i wouldn't necessarily call it drip i don't i i personally
1: don't i don't think Drip necessarily means high end fashion because there's a lot of high end fashion stuff that I look at, and it's like that's just ridiculous and obviously yeah. there's very good. This feels wear. like a run like and runway fashion. Right. Yeah, it's like there's streetwear and and there's people who have better drip than the high end fashion and they're wearing streetwear gear. It's like that's much better drip.
0: Um, positives here: the colors work well. I think white and that like kind of muted green to mint color I think is cool. Like yeah, I like works. the scarf. It looks like, like the colors stick. of that scarf are cool. like a leak
1: (laughs) it looks like a celery stick man just put some peanut butter and little raisins on there there's some hatsune miku vibes going on here um so for me as fashionable i i would say a five but as in drip uh i'll probably give it like a three it's pretty there but
0: i think it's just average it's
1: not like crazy
0: yeah i'm gonna say three point or I'm going to say 3 out of I said 3.5 I meant mm-hmm. 3 out of 5 bidoofs. <laughs> um there's a lot of like good color. I don't know the, yeah, the like, white the and that great. green and the really purple works. works. That little subtle hint of yeah, purple on it, like, the top. it works.
1: It, it all their colors are very well put together. It's just like I like I, said, I can see it as high end fashion but for me like I said it's more of a 3 it's cuz I've seen better streetwear.
0: Yeah. Um I remember Wallace's design in like emerald was just all cape. Mm-hmm. Like the cape Um, in the back was not only longer but it did wrap around the front so wallace has had like an extreme redesign uh more so than some of the others they've all been redesigned and maybe at some point we'd go back and look at the older versions Mm -hmm. but i do think that the newer versions of these characters are generally for the most part um pretty good so that kind of wraps up ruby and sapphire which was admittedly better than i thought it was going to be in terms of drip especially looking at these redesigns um it it was better than gold and silver but i think diamond and pearl is where we're gonna have like oh this is kind of like a dull thing
1: Mm -hmm. okay i'll look forward (laughs) to that
0: yeah (laughs) um we may start pokemon drip diamond and pearl next week or we may have a different segment that i've kind of had in the works for a while here um more to come on that we've talked about this a while back um in person um but i have not yet brought it up on the podcast yet because i didn't know when exactly we were going to do this um so that might be next week or we might start pokemon drip diamond and pearl god we've gone through all the protagonists and the first three set of gym leaders now. So we're deep, deep into <laughs> Pokemon yeah. Drip. Um, and I guess to round off this week, we have some news. So let's just kind of segue from Pokemon to Pokemon. There was a Pokemon Presents. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch it. I read some of the the recap of it and watched a few things that were announced, but I didn't watch the actual event. There was a lot of, like, show announcement stuff um, mobile game stuff in there that I don't really mm-hmm. care about. um, And like, stop motion show announcement or, you know, stuff like that. Um, But I, I wrote down a few key things that, that are relevant to things we've talked about on here before. Two new Pokemon were introduced to Scarlet and Violet. They are Walking Wake, a Area Zero version of Suicune, and Iron Leaves, an Area Zero version of Virizion. And the way that they introduce these Pokemon is that you have to go do five-star Terra raid battles. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't like doing those. So I, I feel like unless they come out with another way of like acquiring these two Pokemon, I'm not going to have them because t- t- to do that feels a little like inaccessible mm-hmm. because doing a five-star Terra raid battle is like not something you can just waltz into the game and do. And yeah, for yeah. as much as I've played violet version, I still cannot pull it off even with the team and the way that you find the matches online is irritating because you've got to refresh and then press the button and hope after five or so minutes that um, it matches you with someone instead of saying you're unable to join this battle. So mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of how these two are introduced because they are really cool looking and I don't want to have to suffer through through terror raid battles. I, I don't like when Pokemon it makes it difficult to get something like they Mm. used to do like you need to go to this store to hook your Game Boy up to this Game Boy at the store to get Mew at Toys R Us back in 2004 I remember those Um, days yeah the best things are the codes where you can just get the Pokemon but not the ones where you have to go to a store because sometimes the people at the store say, I didn't hear anything about that. You don't get your code. It's just like do an online distribution or have these Pokemon start spawning in the overworld, which is what I feel like they should have done with this. So that's kind of upsetting. What's not upsetting though is that the Hidden Treasure of Area Zero DLC expansion were announced for Scarlet and Violet. These are two packs, kind of like Sword and Shield did. Mm-hmm teal mask and indigo disc um i think they're coming out in fall and winter so anywhere from like say september through you know next february these these things will come out they've got new areas new pokemon old favorites returning um that's always cool to see i I like when pokemon does this like dlc thing instead of Mm. releasing another new game or you know like an emerald or something like if they can add dlc to the games that exist and have you pay half the price that's fine um and if it's anywhere near as good as the sword and shield dlc this will be great dlc i already think scarlet and violet are are better games um but not much info aside from like showing the 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 new legendary pokemon you'll encounter Mm -hmm. um something that's kind of been missing for a while is pokemon sleep which was announced like three years ago uh, this was announced to be releasing this year This is like A thing that measures your sleep data And can be used with Pokemon Go Plus Plus Or your phone Where you put your phone next to your pillow And you sleep And <laughs> you sleep And the game I guess gets sleep data from that Alright It's Weird. my kind of game <laughs> Weird. They said you can have lullabies from Pikachu
1: Oh come on now, that's all right. Maybe all right. Maybe I'm judging a little too far. Lullabies from Pikachu. All right, maybe lullabies
0: from Pikachu. Maybe. I'm saying, what about lullabies from Green Badoof? <laughs>
1: he wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to sing lullabies. He'd be like, oh. My Green Badoof
0: could I, sing the Twelve Days of Christmas like he did back on the Christmas special.
1: He's gonna. He's <laughs> gonna be like, oh, what? What song should I pick? Oh no! Oh,
0: <laughs> look. I'm saying, if Pikachu doesn't sing me a lullaby, that's the um factory theme from donkey kong country 3 then i don't want pokemon sleep. Like,
1: <laughs> he's just like
0: i wonder if pokemon sleep will play those like pokemon asmr videos they have where it's like charmander sleeping by the fire where he keeps dipping his tail into the fire and you just hear the like crackling the like oh my god crackling <laughs> they do have those pokemon asmr videos they're yeah. kind of cute especially the charmander one I don't know. I'm hooked on the lullabies from Pikachu thing. I'm also very upset that they're coming out with a thing called Pokemon Go Plus Plus, which Mm. is a Pokemon Go Plus, but I guess better. (laughs) Oh God! I think that's all I want to talk about for Pokemon Presents. I don't know. (laughs) Can't wait for Pokemon Sleep to. I don't know if I can win the game by sleeping, Robert.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's that just seems kind of weird. Still, regardless
0: it's a new it's the new era of data collection sleep Sleep. data collection (laughs) here's kind of a thing that happened like i think right after we or like right after we recorded last week um at like midnight elden ring dlc announcement shadow of the tree we don't know anything about Mm. this But I do know that it's probably going to be super dope. Mm -hmm. And I am very excited. (laughs) Um, But that, like, uh, what a weird announcement time. It was like midnight, I swear, like 9 o'clock or maybe Mm -hmm. like 3 Eastern or something like that. Um, Dropped out of nowhere. Um, As we know, Elden Ring is one of those games that is just like legendary nowadays. They just Mm -hmm. announced that they sold 20 million copies of Elden Ring, which is absolutely unheard of for something like that. Um, So I'm excited to see... Where the DLC takes us because I can't think of anywhere on the map that hasn't been explored. But I, but knowing from software, there's probably a door that they've hidden somewhere that they could add like a bridge to or something. So that'll be cool. I don't expect that anytime soon. Though. Mm-hmm. I expect that maybe around Christmas. Mario Kart DLC is coming this week, the day after this episode goes up. We'll go over the tracks real quick. Amsterdam Drift is from Tor. Riverside Park is from the Game Boy Advance game. And, as a side note here, gotta be the worst Mario Kart track ever made. Uh-huh. So, okay, maybe, like Mario Kart 8 has a has a habit of making the Game Boy Advance tracks really great. So if they can redeem Riverside Park, it will be legendary. Yeah, because I was playing Riverside Park just last night on Super Circuit, and that level just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're doing DK Summit from the Wii, to which I say, let's go. What a great track um Yoshi's Island is new. Bangkok Rush is from tour. Mario Circuit is a pretty basic track from Mario Kart DS. While Luigi Stadium is like a legendary track from Double Dash. And Singapore Speedway is from tour. As we know, Birdo is coming with, and as the trailer showed, like, Birdo will have the same color selection as, say, Yoshi or Shy Guy. So mm. one character, technically nine, I guess, if you count all the colors as a separate character. <laughs> Yeah, Mario Kart continues to have really good DLC, and I'm more curious about Riverside Park than anything, so thoughts to come on this next week. Uh, Same day, Metroid Fusion is dropping on the Game Boy Advance Online app. Um, This is great news. All five main Metroid games will now be playable on the Switch, and Metroid Fusion, which I will talk about on here as I replay it, is... A frightening, atmospheric, glorious game with twists and turns around every corner. One of the best soundtracks on the Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. and just ah, uh, I don't, I don't want to get into it right now because we'll, we'll talk about it. But like, there is haunting imagery in this game, and. Tone that just sticks with you. I played this in 2002, and it's mm-hmm. stuck with me these 21 years um, since the game came out. And last but not least, um, something we may be talking about on here next week is the Capcom Spotlight, which is also happening the the same day, March 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be updates on Resident Evil 4. Uh, I think we're going to be expecting a demo drop. There's updates on uh, Monster Hunter Rise, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, Ghost Trick, and Exo Primal. That game that's like dino crisis but not even though i mean come on um kind of looking forward to that capcom has been on a roll for a long time now with no signs of slowing down Mm -hmm. but if there was one game i was worried about slowing capcom down it is exoprimal this kind of co-op shooter thing because look at all the failed co-op shooters that have come out in the past couple of years i'm a little worried about this one (laughs) so we might talk about the capcom showcase um on next week's episode um depending on what other news shows up because i feel like the theatrhythm like theatrhythm is not interesting for me to talk about every mm-hmm. week so i'm like continuing you know like a dragon Eshin and all that stuff but i am like deep into theatrhythm there's also ps plus games coming out like minecraft dungeons i really wanted to try for like years now so um that'll be cool but for right now would you say we've done an episode yeah
1: that should wrap up uh, this week, pretty much.
0: All right, so next week... um, I don't know what we're talking about next week yet. We'll know. have to figure that out. <laughs> Probably that Capcom showcase and, and maybe some Mario Kart to start with, but um, we'll kind of have to... Plus, I might have that extra little segment that I was talking about um, ready for next week. Um, But for right now, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please follow us on our Twitter, at Markers on the Map. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a uh, five-star rating and review. Download an episode. Subscribe. Or you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts if you feel like it. And there is not much left to say, but we do always end with a famous video game quote. And this week, that quote is, You know, Ellie. And this is really good for destiny we really are the lara croft and the guardian of light and we will see you guys next time bye
1: later